everyone and welcome back to the Toffee Blues podcast. This week I'm joined by James Pendleton. We're going to be discussing all the talking points with Everton recently in the last week. Coming in off the back of a really impressive win against West Ham United, but unfortunately we are now faced the dreaded international break. Uh, James, big thanks for jumping on. You're good, mate. Yeah, all good, man. Yeah, nice one for that. Fantastic. Okay, so first of all, we'll start with the obvious. Everton got the first win of the season last weekend against West Ham United. 1-0 victory against the Hammers at Goodison Park, thanks to a, a fantastic finish by new summer signing Neil Mopay. Uh, let's jump straight into it. James, initial reactions, obviously we're buzzing to get off the mark, but it was a re- another really good, solid display by Everton, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's one of them. It wasn't the best game in the world, but it, it didn't need to be and it hasn't needed to be at all this season, really. Everyone just wants to get off the mark at the first win. You know, we started last season quite well, but then we, we dipped massively. And obviously, you know, I think everyone was kind of worried that if we didn't start this season well, then, you know, that, that's kind of what saved us in the end, really, the good uh, end and start to the season. So um, I think getting early points is, is massive important to us get the monkey off the back of the first win obviously I think it's just maybe just less than now we need to win the Premier League so um, super important for us and especially with teams who I didn't think would be doing too well or doing all right around like Fulham and Bournemouth and stuff so obviously um, it's, it's still early days in the season but you want to get that first win and we normally do start seasons quite well but we haven't lost a game now for an absolute age I think it was maybe the 14th of August or something I know we've had internationals we had a cup game in there as well we've only actually won two games in all competitions but yeah I think Amadou Onana said it after the last, after the, the Leeds game saying you know we haven't lost in three or four games by then obviously that's gone on uh, even more now so yeah maybe we don't know the meaning of losing that's what it feels like it would be a good six weeks by the time we play Southampton next so yeah really pleased and obviously everyone's just been obviously other than Pats and getting injured last night but otherwise everyone's just really positive at the minute which is, is really nice to see yeah it's so positive it's something we've not been used to at all and we're going okay aren't we we seem to be going quite steady no one's getting too carried away we've said on previous podcasts that it's really I think last season meant that you know expectations been not so much expectations but I think you know people are a bit more realistic about what this club is capable of now and so far we've been you know other than the Aston Villa game We've, we've been okay this season. We've put in some solid shifts. The defence has really helped us out. And it was fantastic to get off the mark. Um, I was a bit frustrated that maybe we didn't kick on and maybe get more goals. I feel like they were there for the taking. You know, there were times where I was quite frustrated in the ground that we didn't take the game to West Ham a bit more. There was plenty of opportunities for us to break. But I feel like the foundations are there for us to definitely look solid. And we're just looking so hard to beat, aren't we? It was just another game where Connor Cody and James Tarkovsky were ab- absolutely outstanding, as was Nathan Patterson, who you know we'll come on to in, in a short moment. But again, we just looked really, really tough to break down, didn't we? And it's got to be credit to those new signs, hasn't it, James? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you look in a window and you want to revitalise the squad as much as you can, but he's completely revamped the centre of defence. He's completely revamped, revamped the centre of midfield. Um, we've had a Bits around the around the rest of the team, obviously even Agger and uh, McNeil and more pay, and then obviously Patson. He you know, he feels like a new sign. I know he's been around for a while, but obviously he'd never played in the Premier League before that Chelsea game, which um, you know, someone who arrived six seven months ago is is quite something. But yeah, I think the defense is, is the main thing that's really impressed me, and I think it was really impressive as well that we did that about our 
goalkeeper. You know, our number one goalkeeper who's been one of the best players in the Premier League uh, for a little while now, I'd say, from sort of March, April time. He's been one of the best players in the Premier League. He's been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season, I think, both in my opinion, but I think the statistics will back it up. He's, he's made, got the best save percentage made, I think, the third or fourth most saves in the division as well. So he's been really good. And to miss him is, is a big loss for us, but we played well. Begovic came in, did sound, and um, yeah, it is a really important win for us. And, and something I always look to as well is, you know, are you improving on the... The, the fixtures from last season kind of thing. Like, I know so we got beat by Chelsea, which, which is a game we won last season. But otherwise, you know, we, we drew with Leeds again. We beat, we, uh, sorry, drew with Brentford where we got beat last season. We won this game on the weekend where we got beat last year. You know, all those sorts of things are kind of coming into my thought process. So, um, I think, I say, I think the defence and the midfield are the, are the big reasons why we've done it. And unsurprisingly, maybe the one area that we didn't kind of revamp is the... Uh, forward line that's kind of where we look the weakest but you just hope Cavaloon come back and obviously more pay getting off the mark Gray and Gordon got a couple of goals between them we can maybe just start to kick on a little bit in that area but yeah super impressed with the defence I think it's been a, a massive um, improvement from last term yeah, of course. You know, we mentioned we touched on it briefly at the start, but of course, Neil Mope gets off the mark for Everton. It's only his what, second appearance, so one goal in two games for Everton. If he keeps going like that, we'll certainly have a lot of success. But he took the goal really well. It was a really difficult finish. It was a great first touch, and he took his shot really quickly, which was very important to uh, to give us that one goal lead, which we managed to hang on to. Uh, Neil Mope, he's possibly spoken as well this week for how already he's not been at the club for a long time. He already feels at home. It seems like a while ago now we were crying out for a striker, done it? Because I think a lot of people have set, talked to Neil Mope and he can be a really impressive player for us, I feel. You know, I think it was Andros Townsend was talking on TalkSport in the week, wasn't he? And he said that Neil Mope is one of those players that a little bit like the Richarlison-esque in a way. Like, if he's playing against you, you hate him. But if he's playing for you, you absolutely love him. And if he can, he can carry on those sort of traits, the Evertonian's going to love him, aren't he? So how much confidence can he take from that display against West Ham getting off the mark? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the bobble tweeted and he said that he was distraught after he missed that chance against Liverpool, which was, you know, it was a very good chance. It wasn't like it was a an open goal or anything like that, but it was just a chance he should have scored and obviously he should have put that away, got his first goal there and then would have been an instant sort of goodishing hero. But yeah, I think he replaces with Charles in that sort of pantomime villain kind of aspect, but also he replaces his hard work. He, he worked really hard on the weekend. He's not as industrious, he's not as quick, he, he's not as good as Richardson, obviously, but he's cost what, a quarter of the price or something. So, um, I think uh, Brighton's goals to gain record was something like a goal every 3.7, 3.8 games, which is about 10 a season, which, you know, you can't, you kind of can't really knock that when you're Everton. You know, I, I got asked the other day, you can name the, the 15, uh, sorry, the 31 players who've scored 15 or more goals for Everton in the Premier League era. And I was like, we have been really poor. When you think about it, like only 31 players have scored 15 goals. So, I've had coming in, if you can get, 10 goals in a season you, you can't knock that for where we're at the minute so I say I hope he does take a lot of confidence from that and you know he's got a great goal against I think it was Southampton last season actually it's St Mary's not that's who we've got up next so um, more of the same would be uh, massive improvement as well but it's a night and day between having McNeil or Gordon or, or God forbid Ron Lon up front isn't it so um, it just makes even Carver-Lewin back in all the more easy for us yeah, definitely. You touched on a good point there as well. You mentioned about this Everton side's work rate, which I think has been one of the standout improvements this year. Covering so much ground, you can see it as well with the players we've got on the pitch. They're working so much harder, running themselves into the ground. And just before we move on from the West Ham game, um, I, I, this is something I noticed in the game. I don't know if you, you agree with me here, but I thought we played really well. Everyone really put a shift in. But if I had to 
if I had to probably pick out one who maybe didn't have the best of the games, I think it was Anthony Gordon. I think Anthony Gordon was quite poor in that game. We know he played a lot of football and we know that he can be a top, top player for us. But when we go back to that point about hard work and we see the likes of Nathan Patterson running himself into the ground, you know, when we see the likes of Idrissa Garnagay, Onana, Alex Awobi, of course, when a player maybe perhaps isn't putting that work rate in, they stand out so, so very much. And I, I don't want to get on his back too much because I think a lot of people have been critical of him in the past, but I feel like Anthony Gordon didn't have the best of games. And uh, there was one instance as well, I sit in the upper Bullens and I don't know if you saw this, there was a time that he was just jogging back, he got beat, and then Patterson was straight over to him when Patterson essentially made up for Gordon mistakes and he collared him and he went absolutely nuts at him, which brings me back to my point how maybe when a player in this Everton side isn't pulling their weight in terms of work, work rate, putting in their miles, they can sort of really stand out. So what did you make of Anthony Gordon's performance against West Ham, James? Yeah, it wasn't. It was, it was his worst game of the season, I think, wasn't it, really? You know, he's he has been putting that effort in him. I think, you know, remember against the Chelsea, in the, against Chelsea, rather, sorry, the first game of the season where he hunted down Jorginho, won the ball off him and sent to the pitch and you know, goes on the counter-attack kind of thing. It was, you know, she did well there and it was that kind of performance he's been putting in since he, since he came to the fold, really. But I just thought he looked knackered after sort of 55, 60 minutes, which is strange because, as you said, it wasn't like a lung-busting working really hard performance, was it? It was kind of a pretty lax of days because I didn't really see much from him throughout the sort of 80, 85 minutes, wherever it was he played. But um, he's not going to get picked every week if he's going to be playing like that at the end of the day. And you're going to have to realise that last season. We could pin our hopes on him. I think both Lampard and Benitez were very happy for him to play and he has, you know, as many games as he wanted to. Whereas, you know, now you're looking at obviously Dwight McNeil uh, being signed and, and really does bring that defensive effort and is now also looking more like a right-sided player than a left-sided player, certainly like Albert Lewin's out anyway. Um, you know, he's not going to get picked every week, so he will need to improve on that, absolutely. But um, I say, obviously, you can't want to look at the silver line and it's good to see Patterson going over to him and, and sort of making a, a real big deal of it because they say Patterson's been absolutely imperious for us at right-back so far this season. But... Um, yeah, he was probably the the worst performer of, of the lot out of a team of sort of sevens and eights, I thought, on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, def- definitely his weakest performance of the season so far. Absolutely. I think I agree with you on that one. Um, moving on now, uh, everyone's favourite ex-Everton manager has been speaking this last week. A certain Mr. Rafael Benitez has been quite vocal, given an exclusive interview to Sky Sports, where essentially he said that he couldn't succeed at Everton because of his ties to Liverpool. Um, it received a lot of backlash, no doubt. I, I, it completely sort of. I, I feel the whole Connor Cody situation has completely put to bed any kind of argument that the fact that he played for Liverpool has some kind of bearing on how you perform at Everton. And a lot of people on Twitter, as I'm sure you've seen, have quite rightly pointed out that the problem wasn't his ex-employers. The problem was essentially his ability to do the job with just the one win in 14. Jordan, what was a was an awful season last season. So. Obviously, we know he's going to... It's obvious he's trying to put himself in the shop window. You know, he he's, get, he's trying to get a job. We don't want to talk too much about Rafa Benitez on this channel, obviously, but it was an absolutely ludicrous sort of comment to make, wasn't it? How he sort of justified his failures by almost saying that he couldn't do certain things. It was a very bizarre interview. It was a very bizarre interview indeed. So what did you make of Benitez's comments, James? Yeah, I mean, I watched the sort of clip of it. I didn't see the full thing because I just I can't stand to be just he, he he takes me back to a very dark period of of my life last season, and <laughs> yeah. um, it was just he, he's just he's he's a real tough listen. But um, 
yeah, as you say, he's trying to get in the shop window, isn't he? He's probably sniffing around that Leicester job. He's probably looking at a team like Newcastle who aren't really performing. And, you know, he's, he's held like a god there, isn't he? Maybe they think they'd go back in for him. I don't know. Um, Villa are on the ropes a little bit, aren't they? So he, he just, he's probably just putting himself in the shop window, trying to see if he can get one more shot at the big time. And obviously, you're never going to do that by going up and saying, you know, I'm, I'm shy kind of thing. He's, he was really poor. I just didn't understand what he meant by when he said I couldn't change certain things because he changed an awful lot in a very little space of time. And I remember he got a bit of praise at the time because people were saying, you know, finally, these injuries, are they going to get solved now? Because he's gone and done this to the, to the... I mean, no one really knows who's responsible for what, but Dan Donachie obviously left, which was a very unpopular decision in terms of the inner circle. But I thought, I think people kind of thought, you know what, at least he's changing something. But then... He went against medical advice. He brought Dominic Carvalhoon back before he was ready and then he played really poorly and got injured again and we couldn't use him all season, um, more or less. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just didn't understand what he meant. He was, he was chatting, absolute drivel. And, as you say, if he gets a job, a job in the Premier League, then whoever, whoever appoints him wants shooting. But, I say, we don't want to talk about him too much because he is just... Uh, he's a wind-up merchant, isn't he? And, you know, I, I said at the time, and I think a lot of people did, it was... You know, sure, he's come in, we're not happy about it, but we'll get behind him. But the problem is, as soon as the going gets tough, the tough will get going with Rafa Benitez because he's going to get the brunt of it quicker than any other manager would. And that's just a fact of life because he had managed Liverpool. He didn't have any credit in the bank and he built up a little bit the first sort of half dozen games, but then you know, he pissed it all away in those sort of you know, 14 game run where I think the Arsenal game was there when we won and we drew with Chelsea. and Maybe someone else as well. I think I think it was three undefeated in the, the fourteen. But yeah, uh, really, really poor. And as you say, it's he's not something we want to focus on too much because he feels like an absolute lifetime ago now, which is, is massive credit to, to Frank Lampard and the players and the staff he's brought in. So uh, yeah, as I say, hopefully we don't see his grid back in the, the Premier League anytime soon. And if we do, it'll certainly be interesting when he comes to Goodison Park. If we do, yeah, we'll 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 put a. We'll put an end to that Rafa Benitez chat because an absolutely bizarre interview Rafa Benitez gave to Sky Sports the other day. Um, yeah, moving on now. And unfortunately, we do have to report that Nathan Patterson picked up that injury last night in the Scotland versus Ukraine Nations League game. Just for the start, I, I can't get my head around this Nations League thing. You know, I've got the World Cup coming up in what six, eight weeks, whatever, it, whatever it is. It just seems absolutely bizarre that we're even having this competition right now with the Premier League being as, as packed as, as it is, you know, games being postponed last weekend. And here we are an international break. And, you know, the first opportunity an Everton player has to get injured, they get injured. And it's one of our best players as well in Nathan Patterson, who's had an absolutely fantastic start to the season. And I watched the game last night and it wasn't even much of like a, a really bad challenge or anything. He literally just goes over on it, essentially just slips on the turf. So, Absolutely gutted at the 22 players on that field. Nathan Patterson's the one who gets stretched off. The jury's still out on the severity of this injury. Obviously, there's not been much word out from the club or you know Scotland yet. Um, Steve Clark, he didn't seem to have much answers either after the game. It's very much a watch this space sort of situation, but absolutely devastating if to lose Nathan Patterson, isn't it, James? Yeah, I mean, just an absolute nightmare. You could see it come from a mile away. Well. He actually steams into the fella and he's just so eager to win the ball back. But as you say, he slipped and then he's just landed funnily on it, hasn't he? Which is it's just so frustrating. As you say, you surely think they postpone these Nations League games until after the World Cup. Uh, you're trying to squeeze in a two-week break where there just isn't a two-week break to be had. I mean, why do they need a two-week break when they've had six, seven, eight weeks off only? six weeks ago, you know, they all had another weekend off and obviously 
the Queen passed away. Obviously, I know the schedule was made well in advance of that, but you know, these players have got rest and the ones who haven't got rest are going away and playing in horrible countries up and down the world. But yeah, I just I don't get it at all. It's it's mad. I understand international football's gotta happen and these things are gonna happen. We saw Seamus Coleman get a really bad injury on international duty um previously. I'm sure there's been other examples, but um yeah, it's just unbelievable. And it could only happen to Everton where the first game of the season, your centre-back gets a really bad injury for a poor referee and all poor officiating decision. Mason Holgate then gets injured. Yeah, I mean, got injured in between that. Uh, Seamus Coleman was already injured. And now Nathan Patterson's injured. And apparently Vitaly Nikolenko's got a bit of a knock as well, which I'm sure will be fine for Southampton. But it just sums it up. And it's it, it's so frustrating. OK, yeah, we have got Seamus Coleman to bring back in. But I think I speak for a lot of returns when I say I felt so much more secure with Nathan Patterson in there. He hasn't brought the attacking impetus that James Coleman used to bring, but it's defensively he's just been fantastic. And it's just so nice seeing a new look Everton team. And you don't want to you know, bash James Coleman too much because you know, we all absolutely love him, but he's not the player he used to be. And he's, he's not good enough to be starting back to back games in the Premier League. And it, you know, I'd imagine that's probably what he's going to have to do. I don't know whether it's good or bad that we don't know the severity of it yet. I don't know whether that means they're optimistic and they can't quite determine you know, the severity of it now or, or what, I don't know. Obviously, Patterson tweeting about the results and saying that the, the all the players played really well and stuff, I don't know whether that's a good or a bad sign. It's just so hard to tell because, you know, with these innocuous ones, they can be nothing or they can be really serious. So we're all just praying that it's only a few weeks or whatever. Um, but, I say, with Everton, you never know, do you? So it's massively disappointing, but... At least we've got at least someone to go in there and they will not have to put a square peg in a round hole for a change. Yeah, exactly. You know, Seamus Coleman, for all you know, for all his faults and that, you know, no fault of his own. He he isn't the player he was. But we, we all have a lot of respect for him. Everyone loves Seamus Coleman. I'm sure everyone will get behind him. But on the same note, it is absolutely devastating to lose a player like Nathan Patterson, who's just had an unbelievable start to, I don't want to say his Everton career, but his start to the season, definitely. But it's just so frustrating, isn't it? Like... We just know that this sort of thing happens to us. You know, we don't want to start saying, oh, poor us and wallowing our own self-pity. But you can just see it coming from a mile away, as you said, James. And it almost feels like because we had a win at the weekend, it's like there has to be some kind of trade-off if something good happens to Everton. It's just so frustrating, as we say. I mean, we can go on and on. But, yeah, you mentioned there Vitaly Mikalenko, a couple of rumblings that he, that he picked up a bit of a knock, but hopefully that's not too bad. Um, at least we've got cover in positions now, which is always a, a good good thing to have. But yeah, let's just hope if Connor Cody does step on the field for England, they wrap him in cotton wool and he takes a lot of care for himself because if anything happens to him, I'm sure that would tip a lot of Evertonians over the edge. But yeah, so frustrating. These N- Nations League games, so so ridiculous. And and there we go. Nathan Patterson picking up an injury. Um, just staying on the injury front, shock. Uh, Calvert-Lewin, there's a lot of talk of him coming back. The Bobble put a tweet out, I don't know if it was yesterday or earlier today, I think it might have been earlier today, that he's picked up a bit of a bit of a, I don't know if it was a strain or he's felt a bit of tightness in his in his quad, I believe. Whether that's maybe an explanation for him missing the West Ham game, I don't know, or whether it's just something like a niggle, whether he's going to make Southampton, I don't know. But what, what, what do you think on the Calvert-Lewin thing, James? Do you think maybe this is like a new thing or, or do you think maybe the club are just being extra careful? Yeah, I mean, as I was a fussy last night, and it was just before I went, I saw Patterson get injured, and then I get back and I see that 
that Carvalho and Daniel and just like it's it's unbelievable. It is back to back constantly, isn't it? But I did read in the Athletic today to be fair that um they think he'll be on the bench with Southampton still. Apparently that's not gonna change. So yeah, I assume the Athletic here is uh, they're as reliable as they get real um, more or less, aren't they? So um, um he was part of like the zero minutes club of all the players in the Premier League who haven't played a game this season and played a minute so far and they were saying that they, they think he'll be on the bench for Southampton, which is is good. But again, it's the same with Patterson. At least it's not like we're thinking, oh, Christ, who's going to go there now? You know, it's it's a case of, um, you know, we're saying at least we've got someone else and obviously more pay was going to play anyway, wasn't he? So, um, but it'd just, be, it'd just be nice to give us a nice boost. If we can get him on the bench, Southampton, and you know, fingers crossed, if, we were, if the game was wrapped up with a, a few minutes to go, get him on, just get him in the, you know, get some fresh air in the lungs, get, um, get his legs stretched, get him a little applause at the end. That would all be really nice. And then, you know, maybe see how he gets on for Man United. But obviously, we live with Everton. We don't live in an ideal world, unfortunately. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, as I, say, I did read in the Athletic earlier today, but they think he'll, he should still make the bench. So. Hopefully it's not as, as bad as uh, we first feared. Yeah, fingers crossed on that one. A lot of a lot of hard luck coming our way with injuries, which is no surprise at all. Um, just before we start wrapping up for today's podcast, um, the only other news that's really kicking about yesterday, the club are preparing to offer Alex Iwobi a new contract. This is also in in the same sort of lines. They're looking to offer contracts to Jordan Pickford and Anthony Gordon on long-term deals as well. Alex Iwobi obviously speaks for itself, completely deserves and warrants a new contract, absolutely maintaining these levels of performances. Pickford, I'm sure a lot of people are desperate to keep hold of. Anthony Gordon as well, which might be an interesting one if it is long-term, where there'll be some kind of buyback clause in that. But what you talk about the contract situation with these players at the minute, James, uh, obviously all three of them, no one would have any issues with any contracts going to any of them. But the Anthony Gordon one, I don't know, the Sutton seems to be a bit of play with that one for me. What do you reckon? Yeah, we'll see. It'd be really interesting to kind of see where his head's at. If, if he does get a contract, you say there could be a release clause in there or a, you know, a sort of minimum fee in there or something like that. I'm not sure. But um, it'd be really, inter- really interesting to see where his head's at. I did see that MSI Douglas tweet today. Yeah, I'm not sure how reliable he is. But he did tweet saying that negotiations are going well. But I say I don't think I think between the three of them, none of them, none of them are a bad thing. It's just it's unbelievable. I thought because you were saying, you know, how are they going to ever take him off our hands? And now it's like get him a new deal, get him tied down. And I, I actually I watched the Alex Roy twenty four seven thing the other day, and I, I actually felt from that that he's he's really loving it. And I think he he'd sign that contract. To be fair, um, I know he's not been linked to a move away, but. Anyone who's watching this season will be super impressed, and he's one of the best left centre midfield players in the Premier League at the minute, I think. Um, and then with Jordan Pickford, that's that's massive. And again, I think if he were to sign that, I think he's kind of saying, yeah, he'll he'll stick around at Everton type thing. I think he's a bit of a not home bed, obviously, because obviously he left Sunderland, but he still absolutely loves Sunderland, and I get the feeling he absolutely loves Everton as well. With the team he took him from the relegation from the Premier League to you know nigh on fifty England cap, so. All three would be brilliant for Everton, I think, in order of probably Pickford or Wobie Gordon. I'd probably say just because Gordon's got a bit of time left in his contract, he's still commanding a good fee. And um, I think Pickford's probably only got a year or two left in his deal by now, I'd think. So, um, yeah, massively important. And again, it's just nice that's the kind of boost you get in the middle of the season because you're not going to sign any players. You always know players who come back from injury. It's stuff like takeover news or new stadium updates or contracts or the kind of things that keep fans going during the middle of the season. So if we can get that wrapped up, that'll be that'll be brilliant on, on all three fronts for, for my money. 
yeah, let's fingers crossed on that one. Just nice to have a lot of positive vibes around the club at the minute, as we say. Um, before we wrap up, obviously next game, Southampton away. Difficult game coming in off the international break. I think we'll probably be able to squeeze one more podcast in before then, but just looking ahead because, you know, no one likes the international break. Um, difficult one against um, Southampton away. Um, we, we seem to be a lot more solid away from home. I think a lot of people would take a good deal of these draws away from home because, you know, we just got, you know, rolled over everywhere last season away from home. So it's going to be a tough one. Southampton have made a bit of a, a mixed start to the season, uh, but it's going to be difficult going there. We don't have the best of records down there in recent years, we're being totally honest, but it is a game that I'm sure we can go and win with the, com- you know, confidence breeds confidence and there's a lot of that at the club at the moment. Um, we, we remain and wait and see what's going to happen with these injuries we spoke of earlier in the podcast. However, we're more than equipped to go and get three points there, but a draw wouldn't be sniffed at really going into that Man United game at home. So Southampton, what are your initial raw thoughts? We'll delve into the, the fixture itself in more detail close to the time, but just looking ahead to Everton's next fixture, obviously Southampton away. Um, what, what was your thought process going into this one? Yeah, I think just going off the top of my head, I think we've only won one game at St Mary's since they've got promoted and just thinking that... I can't think what the score was under Ancelotti in the twenty in the season when no fans were there. Um, I, th- I think it was. I think we got beat. We got, we, we got beat. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Then I think. Maybe. Yeah. I can't think who scored. I remember the game now. Anyway, yeah, I'm sure we got beat. I think it was in that run when we won every game, didn't we? And then, yeah, we got beat two 0 I think it was. I seen to remember. I think Sigurdsson at the bar from a free kick. That's what I seem to remember. Um, I think the only one was under Marco Silva just before he got sacked when. Um, Davis and Richarlison scored and um, Pickford was excellent that day I seem to recall I think that's the only win we've had there since what 2004 2005 and Marcus and that was a draw actually wasn't it Marcus Ben scored yeah so we probably only won one game there maybe this century I know we haven't played in the same division for a number of those years but it, it's not a, a happy hunting ground is it I know we obviously we lost that ridiculous game under Martinez where we scored two own goals remember the draw Pochettino's first game um, the game when Luca Dean scored in a ridiculous own goal from the edge of his own area. Just... Well, in that 2 0, which you mentioned before, yeah, it was 2 0, and Luca Dean got sent off, so that tells you that, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's it, yeah, it seems to be something ridiculous going on down there whenever we play them. Obviously, we got beat last season as well, but that was, I think that was Lampard's second or third league game, so there's a bit of leeway there. We played okay, but um, we, should have, we should have had a penalty as well, if I do recall. But um, yeah, it's, it's never somewhere I'm confident, but I just. I'm just, I mean, I'd sign them to go down, to be honest, at the start of the season, but then they signed a bunch of young players. And I just think if they stay up this season, then they've now built a foundation that could, you know, be historic. So I think they're going to be there for the taking this season for some teams. I think they're going to lose more games. And, you know, the likes of Bazuno, Belakoff, Chop, Lavia, and, you know, Dozy, all these young players, it's going to be really difficult for them to strike that balance of, um, you know, sort of between managing games and losing games they should win and winning games you'd probably think they lose they, you know, they beat Chelsea earlier on in the season so um, it's a really tough game to call but I, you know we've got to be confident even though it's, we haven't got a great record there I think they've lost four games already this season which is you know twice as many as we've done so um, I, I'm confident that we can get something but I think like yourself I'd, I'd take a draw to be fair until the league levels out it's really hard with these away games because you, know, you look at the league and you've got West Ham and Wolves just above the, the bottom three, obviously Leicester are rock bottom of the league, aren't they? But you know, I think Molyneux, uh, the London Stadium and uh, the King Power are, are three grounds we always seem to struggle at. So 
Um, it, it's really hard to say for the time being, but yeah, I say if you're not yourself, I take a draw. But I'm, I'm confident. I think it's a game we can win, and we shouldn't sort of write it off. So obviously, we'll see a bit close to the time. Yeah, definitely not. It's, you know, the hard to call the away zone. There's a lot more patience at the club right now. There's a lot of good feeling around the club. Of course, Nathan Patterson will be a massive miss. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens with Calvert Lewin as well. But yeah, it's a game that if we win, if we win, tell you what, I was I was even in Dreamland, but like I was looking at the table before if we win, that can really shoot us into the top half quite. I say comfortably, but you know, we will be up there, and a lot of people would have snapped your hands off for that. So, if we can win, it'd be great. But of course, a draw away from home that's that that's acceptable in my book this year, with given how, how bad last year was. So, yeah, not much going on this week. Being an international break, we've already seen the worst of the nation's league already, given just how, <laughs> how ridiculous it all is with that injury to Nathan Patterson. Um, hopefully, Connor Cody's going to come out all right, and then all the other 11 players on international duty at the moment. But we will see international week, never a lot of news coming. You know, it's not been that big of a news when one of the segments was talking about Rafa Benitez. But there you go. We'll uh, we'll leave it there, James. So big thanks for coming on the podcast this week and talking to us about what's been going on. Um, yeah, of course, Everton not in action this weekend. Uh, we're going to be playing, obviously, the Southampton games coming next week and then Manchester United there. And then, so we will be back next week with another podcast. Um, quite a brief one today Not as I said not a lot going on but there you have it so big thanks to James for joining us today uh, give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't done already and if you haven't subscribed to the Toffee Blues podcast please make sure you also do that and subscribe and like on YouTube as well if you haven't done so already so yeah big thanks for coming on and uh, thanks for listening watching whatever you're doing 